Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about another great podcast. ESPN, in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha Production, present Always College Football with ESPN college football analyst Greg McElroy taking a deep dive into the sport with the biggest names on and off the field. With off-seasons being a thing of the past, McElroy goes year-round with analysis, opinions, and insight on top teams and under-the-radar stories from coast to coast. That's Always College Football. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is that time of week where we have a guest join us. We have the best college football writer in America. Check him out at Channel 6. Check him out on Talking Out Loud on the SEC Network. Spencer Hall, what's going on? I see we both have a little bit of, uh, like, summer humidity fluff going we've got we some do. altitude altitude going with the attitude i'm enjoying this a lot of beard too we both have a lot of beard going on you know people think you do that in the winter no man you're inside you can keep things trimmed up you're outside a lot you know you're gonna let it slide a little bit you're gonna get <laughs> to some like outdoorsy kind of stuff because it's summer although uh, you know you you being in uh new york city you don't quite enjoy the uh <clears throat> brisk encounter with humidity and the outdoors that that i do in atlanta it's it's um it's brutal to the point where i've just accepted pain and i'm much happier with that oh no 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 i get the humidity like don't ever get that twisted about this bad boy i, I am on an island after all the humidity that one that one comes around like the super heat is exacerbated by the concrete uh what we do have though luckily is central park and that is one thing I have to say is the marvel that makes this whole thing livable. Never mind the fact of how Central Park got built. It went exactly as you would think it did. Um, yeah, just don't think about American history. We, we, who lived there? Who can say? <laughs> who can say what people had to move? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I just got one of those things. But nah, I've been doing like walking through Central Park with my crew, with my homies. Got a club I joined. That's what we'll be doing the weekends. They, uh, but I went to Vegas this weekend, and that was just like I'll never forget. Uh, my girlfriend in college, uh, I went to school in Atlanta. I'm from the South. I ain't never been nowhere west at that point. And she did some convention in uh, Phoenix, and she was from New Orleans, and so she had always heard about how well it's only a dry heat out there. She said, "I'll never forget." Oh, no. She called me and she said, "Let me tell you about this dry heat." And it was like, you know what else is dry heat? A hair dryer. That's mm-hmm. dry heat, and it was basically being under a hair dryer. Yeah, a kiln. A kiln. <laughs> also, it doesn't help that everybody going to Vegas, whether it is for summer league or for their own recreation, everyone going to Vegas manages to put themselves in the exact situation you do not want to put yourself in when it comes to a dry heat, which is I have purchased for myself a 48 ounce souvenir beer <laughs> and I'm carrying it from place to place because you know alcohol it, yeah when you're thirsty the first one helps <laughs> it really does <laughs> after that though we're just turning you into a withered dried piece of cactus with every single drink and then you got to wake up the next day without blackout curtains if you went to the wrong hotel it's a bad deal dude speaking of that i want to show you the view from my hotel room okay mm-hmm. um and you know I got the cheapest room. They had a deal. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, I ain't going to be in this room that much anyway. 
And, you know, when you're in Vegas, of course, it's cool. You would like to have um, a view, right? But, you know, in the end, it's going to be a view of some bright lights or whatever. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not really going to trip about it. Um, Where did I put? There we go. I couldn't find it because um, it doesn't look like it's a view out of a hotel window. Spencer, I am sending you this right now. And I just want the people Mm -hmm. to see your facial reaction to the view from outside of my window at my hotel in Las Vegas. All right. I am waiting for this. I will tell you, by the way, that while I'm waiting for this. Now I'm going to guess. All right. So this is, this is the view. Yes. Okay. 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 So I'm, I'm, do you mind if I divulge to everybody where I think this is? Tell me where you think. Um, I think that you are staying in Aria. Yes. Yes. You're staying in Aria. And, Currently, I don't know if you know this, but um, <clears throat> air conditioning is not natural. You don't just build a building and it gets cold. You have to create air conditioning for said building. And right now, it looks like you are sitting outside of um, the world's largest air conditioner, which apparently yes. is atop, atop the Aria. That yeah. is your view. Now, when the, I look, they when did I give w- you a little bit of sky for free, though. They gave <laughs> but, you a little bit of sky. But when I look to the right... There were some mountains and trees, and I was like, "Look, well, it's a nature view in Las Vegas, and I have to cock my head over to see it." When they told me it's the third floor, I was like, "Huh, I didn't know you had floors that low, right?" Like, I've never been—I've been in this hotel many times. I've never been to this elevator bank all the way to the left. And I got out and I looked out there, bro. I would get in at night and just hit the blackout curtains. There was no need to take in the sights. No need for that. Nope, nope. I will tell you, I've had one of the fountain side, you know, view of the Bellagio. Mm-hmm. Ocean's Eleven ones, and that's real awesome. Um, until you forget to put the shades up, and it's four in the morning, and you look out, you go, "They don't really don't turn this shit off." No, no, no. They, they leave it on. They just no, leave it, the whole thing on. Yeah, no, I look like with that kind of light, look like the ghetto bird about to come in and raid your whole neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> if you're facing away, it really does look like you're in L.A. You know, because L.A. is kind of perpetually light poisoned. Like wherever you are, there's a light on, right? Yes. Somebody has a blower going for their yard. Yes. Uh, it really does look like that. If you don't know where you are, you're like, ah, I see someone's getting up to something tonight. Someone's yes. having some unofficial festivities out in the street. Yeah, yeah it is. That- but for me, Vegas, if you go for, um, you, you did two days, correct? You did 48 hours? Uh, I got there Thursday morning and left Sunday morning, so I guess we'll call it 72. Okay, so you, the sadness, you, you had time for the sadness to hit. Did you get like <laughs> at the very end? You stayed a little too long. I got out just in time, right? Like, I got out just in time. I think one of the funnier moments was on Saturday. Um, I saw the commissioner. And I spoke to him briefly. He made a very good point. He's like, it's not like I can do anything here. Right. It's like, it's not <laughs> like, can you imagine if you walked into the casino and you saw Adam Silver on the dice on a heater? <laughs> If you saw if you saw Adam Silver just getting wild yeah. in like in like uh, I'm trying to think of and Tao, like if he's just in, <laughs> in like one of the clubs, yes, spraying champagne everywhere. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Adam Silver at a pool party, right? Mm-hmm. Afternoon yeah. joint. Nah, nah. And, and by the way, guys, we're gonna talk about a lot of things here. We got some boxing to talk about. We got some uh, 
an actually NBA topic that we just saw that we might get to. But as you may have noticed from the fact that I made reference to the ghetto bird and Spencer immediately said LA, what we are very good at in this interaction is a little something called cultural exchange, right? Correct. We can do it. Yeah. We don't have to be, make a big thing about it. Example of cultural exchange that I'm not sure if you can see in the shot that you have behind you, but that copy of uh, Sam Cook live at the Harlem Square Club. That's correct. That's for that me. Correct. But that Ohio players record, that's his own. That Willie that's Nelson correct. record, I'm going to have to cop, right? Because this is how we do, right? So you guys may have heard um, Utah, it seems like it stopped pretending. And they're like, hey, who wants Donovan Mitchell? If you want Donovan Mitchell, you can come holler at us and you can get Donovan Mitchell. And so Miami Heat fans are under the belief that they can just purge all the white dudes off their roster and that's all they have to do um, in order to get Donovan Mitchell. They're like, yeah, give them Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, maybe a first-round pick, right? In a world where Rudy Gobert got four first-round picks. That's what they mm -hmm. think. Okay, but... Every time somebody talks about sending Tyler Hero to Utah, I keep trying to explain this to people. That boy would retire before he went to the Utah Jazz. Sooner retire, right? And so there's always like the Utah defenders who's like, yeah, yeah, we know we're not. And then they, because they, you know, in Utah, they're a little sensitive about the fact that people don't want to play there. And so some guy hit me up and was like, well, He's from the suburbs of Milwaukee, and he went to Kentucky. Why would he have a problem no. in Utah? Because he spent three <laughs> years in Miami, and suddenly, like, I imagine Tyler Hero going to Miami would be like if your foot was a size 12 and you'd been wearing a size 10 your whole life, and you didn't realize it until somebody gave you a 12. And you're like, oh, my God, this is how shoes are supposed to fit? Well, uh, let me put it this way. As your senior uh Caucasian ass Caucasity correspondent. I will put it this way. First of all, Tyler Hero, being from the suburbs of Milwaukee and going to Kentucky, people do not understand that I think he innately had uh, an upbringing that gave him, um, I, I believe, a certain a certain compatibility with, I believe, NBA culture. And and yeah, I'm not going to dive into that code there. Okay, I think he was really really comfortable around people of yes. color, generally speaking, which is something, by the way, that. In Kentucky, I think in places like that, if you're rural, this is the Randy Moss, uh, Jason Williams theory, that sometimes when you're playing in those places and or socializing, there's not a whole lot of people. There's really not. So the line between who hangs out with whom is very, very thin right. and, and oftentimes gets crossed. So, like, first of all, let's not act like Tyler Hero wasn't Tyler Hero before he got to Miami and then became <laughs> his final form in a place where if you were to be Tyler Hero, there is no place where I think you could achieve a more maximal form of Tyler Hero than than Dade County, right? Yes. That's where he's living. Um, that's the experience he had. I guarantee you the minute he set foot and like crossed the county line, three tattoos appeared on his body that he didn't <laughs> have before. That he's going from there to Utah for anyone, I think would be the greatest culture. I mean, like, like line it up for me. Is that the greatest culture shock in the NBA going from one to the other in terms of everything? Everything. Um, I mean, even weather and geography. There's only one that I think is comparable, and that is New Orleans. <laughs> like, like, yeah, the, like the city. <laughs> like, no, my the, Miami adopted this city of sin thing, right? Like, Las Vegas calls itself Sin City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. But ain't neither one of them got a whole couple week festival that is dedicated mm -hmm. to get the sinning in and while you can, right? That's, that's the only one. But I remember when Tyler Hero got drafted, I said this on Twitter, you can look it up. I was like, the draft cop on that boy is Scott Storch. I saw him as soon as he got up at the draft. And then I looked at his parents 
who are not like this at all. And I just can't understand all the questions they have. Like if, if Tyler Hero grew up in a world without an internet, because see, that's what we got to remember about cats like yeah. him and Chad Holgram now is they got an internet. But if he had grown up in a world without an internet, he would have been the kid and we all went to high school with this kid. You don't really notice it in college, but you all went to high school with this kid where you see them after freshman year and they look like a completely different person because suddenly they right. had found what they really were. They just didn't know it existed. Mm-hmm. Tyler Hero apparently did that after he went to an AAU tournament in 10th grade or something like that. Cause his pops has just got to be over there. Like what? I, huh? How? Yeah. Geez, buddy. Such language. <laughs> Where'd you get all those cats? Yeah. Like he's, <laughs> He's very much his own dude and very much hit the exact spot where he felt like he belonged uh, at a young age. And one that I think like, you know, Milwaukee and Kentucky, those places are more diverse than you think they are. And I think he had a greater exposure to it. It just so happens that he went to the Hogwarts for that Miami, where (laughs) if you'll remember for a long time, the University of Miami specialized in taking um, linemen from all over the place, from Canada, from Pennsylvania, um, you know, from from Massachusetts, bringing them down to Miami and turning them into Miami dudes in the span of about three months. Yes, that was it. There's a, yeah, there's a great Pat Jordan article. It's one of the best pieces of sports writing ever called This Line Shall Not Be Crossed. It is about this extremely diverse line that they had, the offensive line that protected Ken Dorsey at the turn of the century back in Miami. And it is about how they all ended up being the same dude. Like, like three <laughs> months later, all covered in tats, all eating wings at the same place. You know, and, and all all immediately learning Spanish somehow, like in three months, just just instantly, because Miami has that kind of effect on people who are willing to embrace it and who are willing to go with it. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The thing that I never forget about Miami, because you talk about the line, right? And I guess we're at this point now where kids don't know about this. By the way, uh, Spencer, project we need to put a pin in, um, mm-hmm. the January 1987 Fiesta Bowl, 
right? That's correct. Right? Yeah. It is impossible to explain to people what a cultural flashpoint this was, Miami versus Penn State, and just the whole, you know, a whole lot of stuff happened. You can go look it up. I can't get you into everything. But the most legendary thing about it was Miami gets off the plane and the team is in fatigues, right? 1986, yep. they all get off the plane in fatigues. And it's all associated with, like, Jerome Brown, Michael Irvin, Alonzo Highsmith, Melvin Bratton, all those guys. But if you look at the clip of when they got off the plane, the second or third dude off is Benny Testaverde. And like there are all kinds of clips in the U documentary where you just see Vinny Testaverde posted up with these dudes in shades. He loved every minute of this. I don't think he was going with them dudes nowhere, but he loved it. That is correct. And that is, you can get that kind of like, even like if we take it out of the U, which I think is probably like, if we were to explain to somebody the prototypical example of Miami blending cultures very rapidly over the, you know, through sports, that would be one. The Miami Heat, this this Miami Heat team, I like if you have ever seen Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler discussing swimming yes. or the lack of ability thereof, um, that to me is an example of dudes who just found the right place and managed to mesh in a place where, you know, that kind of stuff can happen and it can happen very, very quickly. The fascinating counterexample for me here is this. Who is the player who would go the other way and be completely happy? Because Utah famously has one example of that one um carl malone like where on earth are you going to find a that exact dude who moves to utah and is like this is the spot (laughs) this is the place (laughs) gonna get a horse gonna get a semi-trailer put myself on the side on a horse yeah that is a just as rare a bird it was everything he needed in life it is the wildest thing like he and he and john stockton in back-to-back years, they not only drafted Hall of Famers, they drafted Hall of Famers who were there for basically 20 years and were basically good for 20 years. Like, mm-hmm. the whole way they pull that off. And that is, like, the Spurs drafted four Hall of Famers in a span of, like, 14 years that actually wanted to live there. Like, that was, you know, that was pretty impressive. But with Utah, nah, they you're right. They absolutely nailed that with those dudes, and they stayed good for a real long time. And ever since, they're like, yo, we're never going to get this again. I told you, their radio man did an interview after Gordon Hayward left and was like, hey, man, if we can't keep this white American player here, what hope do we have? And then they actually had somebody who I think was willing to stay forever, who was Rudy, and they sent him out. Yeah, like you need – I think, and I don't mean this as a total insult, but but I have seen one person, our our mutual friend, Dragonfly Jones, who said, uh, yeah, man, Salt Lake sounds nice. It's boring. I like going to sleep early. That's <laughs> it. I'm past that point in my life. We need somebody who's 35 when they're 25. That's yes. what we need. Because it's not like Salt Lake doesn't have its attractions. It's not like it doesn't offer a high quality of life in many respects, okay? I don't want to go ahead and come out and say, oh, yeah, Salt Lake City sucks, okay? It might suck for a certain kind of person. But if you're a very outdoorsy person who just wants to go to the store, come home, watch a couple of streaming programs on your couch, and then go to sleep, I think it would be a very satisfying place. Um, that, that would be, for me, a Caucasian. I can't speak to the experiences that somebody who is Black or a person of color would have at Salt Lake. From my understanding, that is a very different experience <laughs> all right and i say this based on crowd player interactions only okay that is a that is a real issue okay but you need somebody who is their own human being and who is almost belligerent in their desire to be normal and solitary this is why i'm like in an alternate world 
is Tim Duncan that dude? Like, can we take Tim Duncan, who was a guy was so who was, I think, maybe the epitome of norm core, of just being a normal ass dude, okay, who wanted nothing interesting and who actually bought shirts of Old Navy with an NBA salary. Okay. Yes. I've seen we, multiple people have confirmed Old Navy shirts on an NBA salary. Saw him there in person. Is he that dude? Like, do you need somebody like that who you're just going to park there who doesn't need to be interesting and doesn't ever want to talk to anybody? Well, no, because the thing is, while people find Utah to be boring, it does have cultural elements that make it distinct also that I think might have deviated Mm. from what Tim Duncan wanted. Now, here's the thing. If Jabari Parker had worked out as an NBA star, Milwaukee took him because they're like, he'll stay 15 years because he's from Chicago. And so they're like, look, he can get a place halfway in between and he'll stay 15 years. The other thing that people don't know about Jabari Parker is Jabari Parker is Mormon. Mm -hmm. If it had worked out and he wound up in Utah, it would have been fascinating to see how that one might have gone over. That would work. By the way, it is also wild that two players were there for 20 years. I know it was pre-internet. I know it was pre the moment where we have access to a player's feelings directly and in their own words via an Instagram account or Twitter or whatever. But at no point did John Stockton or Carl Malone ever say, you know, that contract's coming up. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about going somewhere else. No, Nuggets buds no. in a rug. Carmelo did it once. He did it once because he felt like he he didn't have an agent for a long time. And it just yeah. been nice and taking these, you know, oh, whatever you say, boss deals. And then he got an agent and got mad <laughs> when they didn't want when they didn't want to give him his money. Like then he was like, I thought we was cooler than that. <laughs> it, did, it did happen. Carl Malone voice. <laughs> oh, man, Carl Malone, that's my least favorite basketball player that there is, there was, there will be. But let me ask you this. I've had multiple people tell me they had the wildest night of their lives in Salt Lake City. Like, if you find yeah! it down, it is there. But it actually I, might be more than you want. Okay, so that's Mountain West. And as somebody who used to spend a fair amount of time in bars, um, I will say this. The Mountain West... If you were a Mormon, you're over here. It's an entire culture and series of activities and whole way of life that's over here. But if you're not, you're really not. You are the opposite, okay? You basically approach life like you're still working in the silver mines, right? So you go out, and those people drink hard, and they party hard. If you go and you see some, like, absolute, and this is the exact word for it, Western yahoos, right? Just roll in like it's paint your wagon. And they roll into Vegas and they're dropping like those are the people I've seen who I was convinced you do not have three thousand or four thousand dollars to drop on this hand. And they do it. You're like, where are you from? They're always like Boise. Yeah, (laughs) those people. okay? because they are they are defined by not being those people. They are defined by being like rowdy, ungovernable. Right. Like I'm going to take my ATV out and climb a sand dune for fun on the weekend. Those people. They go hard. And if you go out in Salt Lake City or you go out in Boise or if you go out anywhere up there, even Montana, um, strap it up. Get a helmet. You'll need it. That explains a lot. Because I've been looking at people in Vegas. Like, I told this one dude straight out. I said, either you got a better job than me or a stronger heart. I can't understand how it is that you out here playing $1,000 a hand on this blackjack. A lot of people out there with that dog in them. A lot of people (laughs) when, when it comes to like, when it comes to pastimes of the 19th century that you think people don't do that anymore. Nobody would go on a riverboat to play Pharaoh 
And yeah, no, somebody would. You know where they live? Boise. They live like the wor- worst night of my life. Like worst night out of my life happened in Boise because um, they don't stick to one beverage. They're like, well, there's a whole bar here. We might as well try something from everything. They do the Wisconsin thing. And let me tell you, if you are not from that, you are not of it. And it will put you through it. That is what happened to me out there. Horrible. Actually, that just made me think of something that might have been perhaps the best part of what became the Tyler Hero story, because he mm-hmm. is from Wisconsin. Imagine oh, yeah. Tyler Hero, his first night in Miami, how rip-stanking drunk he got, because that's what Wisconsin does. And they had to be like, hey, hey, first of all, dog, you're going to have to start drinking something off from the back, not from the down. That you know what correct. I'm saying? Like, yeah, if they yeah, don't yeah. have to turn around and grab that bottle, you're doing it wrong. If all they got to do is reach, nah, homie, you're rich now. You don't have to do that. But mm-hmm. he's out there like, yeah, how can, is there some way I can get a double Long Island? Because that's a very Wisconsin <laughs> sort of activity. <laughs> can we get can we get a Long Island but made only with top shelf liquors all the way down? That would be the most Miami Long Island. Could you give me the $80 shot of each of these things? But you're damn right. Because, no, if, we're, if you're going to drink that shit, you better yeah. get the best that you possibly get. Like nothing says swill. Like like I w- you go out. Like this is just for me. You figure mm-hmm. out the woman you out with is like, yo, let me get a Long Island tread light, dog. Tread light. <laughs> that is not a moderate woman. Um, I think you can turn. You can determine for me if I'm out with anyone, and they turn immediately into car crash drinking. And by that, I do not mean drunk driving. By that, I mean they are taking one lane. And then they immediately swerve over to the other, which is, yeah, I start off with a glass of wine. And then I went to rum. You're like, what's wrong? Are you a pirate? Like, that's when, that's when, like, if you get on the Jack Sparrow, it's over. I don't want it because you're just going to be like, you're, you're the person who can do this. I am not the person who can do this. Yes. And I will wake up the next morning feeling like somebody just like poisoned me with mercury. It's not going to be good. Yes. The ultimate okie doke in the liquor game is, I guess they call it different things in different places. I will edit mm-hmm. the name for purposes here, which is the blue motorcycle, right? And <laughs> it is the okie doke because it looks nothing like what it is. What is it? It's mm-hmm. a Long Island, guys. But it looks blue. It seems like it would be happy. And it is high octane that you can hand a woman that she's willing to take a sip of. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Any dude that's recommended to the ladies, hey, how'd you like one of these blue motorcycles? That dude does not have good intentions I'm he's not your right friend now. that person is not anyone's friend also you should never drink anything blue tyler hero coming from wisconsin and going directly to miami by the way there's another thing that he's not going back to which is cold weather it's not happening because <laughs> most of the time you know i'm a rarity in that i think i'm eventually going to move someplace significantly colder because i'm comfy i like the way it feels it's good if it's montana and it's 25 degrees i'm happy that's excellent um, Tyler Hero moved from the waste of Wisconsin all the way down to Miami, where right now it's probably 86 degrees with a gentle breeze on the beach. And you don't go back from that. You don't go up to Salt Lake, which the times I've landed in Salt Lake, it's looked like Hoth. Like it's looked <laughs> like the ice planet. So he's not going back to that. He's not. No, that's going to be a short tenure, if, mm-hmm. if any. And then he's going someplace with <clears throat> a gentle subtropical climate at best. Yes. Switch gears a little bit because I saw a story that when I was like, oh, me and Spencer are on tomorrow and me and Joel had already talked about realignment and madness. There ain't really a whole lot. And then we quoted you extensively. So ain't a whole lot of like ground to cover there. But I saw a story that was right up your alley, right up my alley, right up everybody's alley. And I kind of forgotten that this has happened. But 
So Le'Veon Bell says that he is not <clears throat> going to be in the NFL this year because he wants to focus on his boxing career. By the way, I'm not going to be in the NFL this year either because I am focusing on my journalism career. Like, dude, I think that decision was made for you at this point. No big deal, mm -hmm. right? Now, Le'Veon Bell did all that. Do you remember how hard he fought to get his money? And he took that year and he missed it and all of that stuff. And I had no shade to him about that. Do what you need to do to get your money. But if you tell me that you are still going to be out here boxing and you want to make it a career, I can only assume that you didn't keep as much of that money um, as you should have. And confirmation of that point is he go have a fight at the crypto.com arena in Los Angeles against Adrian Peterson, who we know ain't got no money mm -hmm. that is um, documented yeah um so first of all Le'Veon bell and starting his boxing career is 30 yes he is 30 all right if this is a career that will be anything but a series of stunts and i know there are people who would say boxing as a sport is really just an endless series of stunts for the most part interrupted by actual bouts if that's what you're going to do, I don't think 30 is the time. I don't know if you know Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke picked up boxing when he was about 35, and he's had multiple rounds of plastic surgery, not because he's afraid of aging, but because uh, he managed to get his face rearranged, all right, in several different ways. That's probably what's going to happen to Le'Veon Bell at one point, because um, if you want to avoid head trauma as a football player after a career playing football, boxing does not seem like the most natural switch there for me. Second of all, I do feel a little bit queasy about the notion of watching Le'Veon Bell and Adrian Peterson after, you know, both having careers at running back, yes. which is the, yeah, which along with linebacker is probably the most contact intensive role on the field in football. Both do a staged piece of combat at the crypto.com arena. I don't want to lean too hard on dystopian hell imagery here, but that's pretty dystopian. Like, if I told you that 20 years ago, you'd be like, oh, God, what happened to this country? Right? <laughs> like, whew, that's bad. Yeah, it's bad. It's not good. But people will pay for it. They will They will turn out for this. I don't think as many as they think, but people will pay for this. Um, third, is that how you want to spend your retirement? Like, just the larger issue. Like, what do you want to do? You're 30. You finished up your extremely brutal athletic career. Why? Why? Like, what's wrong in your brain that this is what's happened? Like, what's wrong with your soul that you're like, yeah, I would like to box. That seems great. Well, for one, I feel like when you decide I wanted to be a boxer at this age that you mm -hmm. described, like, did you go get the eight ball of cocaine and the carton of cigarettes too? Like, like, when, like we're just picking up all the bad ideas at this point that are fun at the time. Um, why don't you just take it all away? That that's 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 thought number one there. Thought number two is I'm not fighting Adrian Peterson under any circumstance oh. whatsoever. I don't oh. care if it's rules, I don't care if it's not rules, I don't care if it's a check involved, I don't care who's coming. Now, I have not shaken hands with Adrian Peterson for the infamous Adrian Peterson handshake. I'm not there. I just remember what Adrian Peterson looked like when he was 18 years old. And you know what Adrian Peterson looked like when he was 18 years old? What Adrian Peterson looks like right now. Yeah. Out of that box. right there. Yeah. If you don't want to be here for a long time, I have two suggestions for you. One, fight Adrian Peterson. 
Like if you're just interested in a good time, not a long time, go fight Adrian Peterson. He'll help you along Two, cave diving. Like, why are you going to mess around with boxing? Which is just like, maybe I'll get harmed, right? Like there's a pretty good chance. Go cave diving. If one thing goes wrong, you're dead. That's it. Like, why not pick out the worst habit? If you're going to pick out the worst habit of all, why don't you pick up base jumping? Base jumping. There you go. See some sights. Experience some thrills. Maybe end up impacted into the floor of a valley. Yeah, that that to me is a way quicker route of getting to this point. By the way, Adrian Peterson is one of those guys who, when he came out in college football, um, that's just one of those recruits that you clip the picture and you go, that man's 45. That's a 45-year-old man. He was just born that way. Yeah, like he was. Ashawn Robinson is the winner of that one. It's Ashawn Robinson and... What was his name? Montrevious Adams, the dude at mm-hmm. uh at Auburn. Like both yeah. of those guys look like you know they went to high school with Sonny Liston. Like like it was it was those pictures look exactly like they look like they could have been in the 1960s. Where you look at pictures of people in the 60s and 70s, and you're like, damn, life must have been really really hard. Like, did you see uh, Judas and the Black Messiah? No, I haven't seen it. Okay, so they go through the whole movie of Judas and the Black Messiah. And at the end, they put up the you know the frame that explain you know where they can put words on the screen, right? And they mm-hmm. had to mention, oh, by the way, Fred Hampton was 21 years old. So this is after this whole movie where you got Daniel Kaluuya, who is clearly not 21 years old. And then I recall they show some actual clips of Fred Hampton, who looks nothing like 21 years old, because 21 meant something completely different back then. Adrian Peterson is, was an old school AT. Old school, old school AT. Yeah, Sean Robinson looked like somebody who played the romantic interest for, like, Cicely Tyson. Like that's like that, like that far back and that old, like somebody was like a 48 year old father of five trying to, you know, trying to keep it all together. That's really what he looked like. A'shaun Robinson looked like he's still waiting on that agent to get back to him about Green Mile too. (laughs) Like the the John Coffee prequel. That is, that is what made A'shaun Robinson go walk up to his coach one day. Let me help you boss. (laughs) gravel by the junk like Ashan, honestly if you told me that he'd competed against soviet power lifters in the 80s i would have believed it 100 like yeah man that guy's seen some stuff right like he was at la he was at la 84 and he won in the clean and jerk like that <laughs> is you know and he did it while smoking that yes. to me is what Ashan robinson or adrian peterson looked like they were both dudes who were physically mature at such a young age that the idea of ever tussling with them just seems absolutely insane. Here's another thing about boxing, by the way. Um, people don't buy it alone. Like, like I think that's an indicator as to how you feel about the sport generally. Football's brutal. Football takes a serious toll on the body. But you will watch it alone, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Boxing... <clears throat> You're probably going to need to spread some of that moral culpability around. You're going to have to invite <laughs> some friends over. You're going to have yeah. to. Uh, you're going to have to go to a bar to watch it, right? Like, well, I don't want to pay for it by myself. Why? <laughs> why is that? Why? Why don't you want to do that? You know, see, because I'll, of boxing. See, I'll watch boxing alone, depending on the fight, the night. If I'm not doing nothing, you know, like you're getting. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I admit that that is privilege speaking right yes i'll put 70 dollars right. to sit here and right. watch this thing alone but my guy Corey erdman has gotten me into a couple of the fights and i've gone to a couple espn has to deal with top rank and so when i've right. gone to those fights i've had pretty good seats for those fights hey man i think i've talked about this on here before but i'm gonna say this for anybody who doesn't know it 
there are different things about different sports that jump out when you're in person and you're up close that you can't get. For example, with hockey, you don't have a grasp on both how big and how fast those guys are right. and they're moving on skates, right? Like you kind of got to get there to see that one. With basketball, what you really don't get is how big those guys are. Like those right. dudes are built more like football players than you realize. We're in this world where people act like somebody being like 6'6", 210 pounds is small or something like that. Nah, mm-hmm. dog. These are no. big dudes with boxing. Ain't nothing more underrated than the jab. The jab is doing so much work. You just see them cats out here with that right there, and you don't think nothing of it because they be eating those jabs and keeping it going. And then HD was like, oh, no, look what happened when you hit this jab. And you see the wave go across somebody's face. Mm-hmm. The jab doing work. The real punch, man, I watched Triple G knock somebody out with what appeared to be a body punch, or maybe it was a body punch that turned into a punch into the chin. But I just remember seeing that and just being like, oh, my God. I'm not a big fighter. Yeah, I'm not a big fighter, but I had somebody hit me with a jab once, and that's when I decided we needed to hug it out, whatever <laughs> it was, because it cleared my sinuses. You know, like, like it cleared my ears. It was like, honestly, it was kind of like going through some sort of depressure, depressurization experience all at once, right? Like, I was looking for my mask in my seat, right, so I could help another passenger put theirs on. That's what it did. A jab is mean. And that was when I was like, you know, I really don't want this fight. This sounds yeah. great. Yeah, whatever you want, man. This was my bad. I'm very sorry. Because <laughs> I didn't want to see part two. Part no. one was real bad, right? Part two was going to be way worse. I was just going to short out the whole experience. Thankfully, the dude was a friend of mine, so we're good. We didn't yeah. let that happen, okay? The jab the jab is so nasty. If you see boxing in person, the other thing is that noise. That noise when somebody gets hit, it's just bad. If you've seen somebody take a liver punch in person, you're just like, I never want that to happen to me or anyone I love ever. Hey, let me tell you what they ain't a lot of boxers with 500 records. <laughs> nah, man, either you 11 and one or you go learn to trade. <laughs> or you really, you're like, I'm the guy who takes the beating and yes. I'm, I'm capable of doing that. Yeah. And I can't, I, I can't imagine being that dude. Phone rings and you're like, what do you want? You want, dude, you want to see me get beat. I saw a fight with a dude in it. I think he was from New Orleans, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. He had gotten shot at some point. He had a bullet near his spinal cord. And oh, no. they could not do a CAT scan mm-hmm. because there was a possibility that it would make the bullet move and then paralyze yeah. this dude. So they mm-hmm. just didn't do the CAT scan and put him out there to fight anyway. And I think this was on the Triple G card. And the Triple G card was set up in a way that I have to say made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. So they got, you know, the undercard stuff. And what they typically do on undercards, from what I could tell, at least here in New York, is you get somebody ethnic from some some quarter of New York, right? So Mm -hmm. you get you an Albanian fighter, and then it's like a corner of Albanians. It's basically like high school, and they got to sell tickets to the school play, right? Like that's how they, you know, that's how they get people into the house. And then you had the fight before the main event, and then the main event. And the main event and the fight before the main event both had the same thing in common. A Kazakh fighter versus a horribly overmatched Afro-American. And... It was a crowd pleaser for Kazakhstan, let me tell you. I had no idea how deep Kazakhstan was rolling in the United States, but they were all there, and they loved every minute of watching, like, Triple G 
take down my people. Like if it, if if Triple G was like a white man, white man, where the white people associated mm-hmm. with him, it would have made me very uncomfortable. Which reminds me, this Jake Paul thing, guys. Mm-hmm. I saw him on television yesterday saying he wants to be the light heavyweight champion of the world. And every time people say boxing is dead, I always push back. Because I was in Vegas a couple months ago when Canelo lost that fight. Now, nah, man, people still show up for boxing. People still care. It's just not going to be on regular TV, right? But the mm-hmm. interest in it, there's no disputing that it exists. But the fact that people pay money to watch Jake Paul fight is just like wild. But did you see he got beef with Conor McGregor? Mm-mm. I did. I did see that. Which <clears throat> well selected if you're going to have beef with a uh, a current MMA fighter is to have one who's on the downside of his career. Yes. I notice. He, I notice who he doesn't have that for at this point. Right? It's not like it's not like he's going out there with Derek Lewis. I mean, like, yeah, yes. I want that guy. No, you don't. You don't want that guy because he can hit you with a car that's inside <laughs> his hand. Yes. Right. Yes. Every that. You want to go ahead and see if you can beef with Conor McGregor because we've already seen Conor McGregor's all too happy to play the PR game. He's all too happy to have a stunt. He's all yes. too happy to stage a multimedia event which sort of tangentially involves a simulated fight. That's right. I also want to say this. Jay Paul, any of the Pauls, those dudes have hands, okay? They do. Like on a gen on a general level, okay? I will say this. These are uh, privileged, pissed-off white boys from Ohio. Don't fight them. Don't, because they have the time and money to sit in the gym. They have the Ohio mentality of, I would like everyone else to fight me or die. So that's just sort of the general state attitude. And they really want to display that, right? On top of that, these are social media stars and influencers who need this kind of oxygen, right? So don't, I, I wouldn't want it. Like, frankly, anybody who's like, yeah, that guy can't fight. On a general level, that guy can fight. You would not want it. Yeah, they, I, this is the thing that I had to admit. Because Connor brought it to him first, so he brought it back. So I wasn't down on Jake Paul for that one. Yeah, yeah. I have to admit, I did, like, enjoy him taking this act of his um, toward Caucasians. Because I got to say, it's been a little uh, rough on the, on the home team watching him just out here whooping all these black dudes asses on television right like after the second or third it was like hey guys hey guys hey guys we gotta we, we gotta go do something about this man like we can't uh no dog we gotta hey hey because he was beating them fair and square too like I mean, like i thought nate robinson who loves to fight right like right Right. When he beat Nate Robinson, I was like, oh, wait a minute. There's actually something here. And then he beat what the Woodley do twice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Twice. So, so who's going to step up? Because I understand part of this is the manipulation that we have to find an opponent that Mr. Paul can definitely beat and stand the chance of beating. Uh, at what point did we manage to put him in a position where he's not going to do that? This is why I bring up Derek Lewis. Just because I like watching Derek Lewis fight. He's from a place that I love. He's great on the mic. I would like to see him take on somebody that he outweighs by 80 pounds. This is because I'm a bad person. I would watch this, and I will fully admit, I'd watch this one by myself. I need no I need no uh, redistribution of my moral culpability in supporting this, okay? No, I'm a bad person. I would watch that. Dude, my man said that he wants to be the light heavyweight champion of the world. Mm-hmm. Bless his heart like uh, if you can pull that off i i have to give you all the props in the world 
but you son are cruising for a bruising. Um, I would I would stick in this exhibition fight territory. Yeah, yeah, I would I would I would stay I would say that. And by the way, part of boxing, of course, is saying whatever comes from the brain down to the mouth in front of a mic, right? That is definitely the part where you go. At what level is he a professional? This part. That party is 100% a professional. Do you actually want to see him take that kind of beating? A lot of the beating, people don't really think about this either. A lot of the beatings people take in the ring don't necessarily show up in the ring at all. Somebody might get to a decision and they would go, oh, okay, well, you know, he's still standing. He's got like a cut. He's fine. No, it's like being thrown down a cliff, mm-hmm. right? Ribs broken, right? Bruised. Uh, can't breathe your head you know battered on all sides you might have a broken jaw you might have you know a broken orbital bone and not necessarily know it it's it's bad it's bad even taking a decision you don't want it no i want to ask you one last thing as we're wrapping this up because you can give insight on a topic i've been discussing for years and people just don't want to believe me Mm -hmm. it's about lamar jackson Mm -hmm. can you explain to these people that if you can't handle the pocket you are not going to play quarterback for Bobby Petrino, please. Yeah, let me go ahead and just rewind this for you. Bobby Petrino, in many ways, is a descendant of Steve Spurrier, who preferred to have what I would like to call <clears throat> stationary quarterbacks, uh, furniture. He preferred to have uh, trebuchets. You just roll it back there about three yards, okay? Just to give you an idea, in that playbook, like, you know, three and five step drop seems to be the standard. In that playbook, there's like seven and nine step drops. There's things they don't even call anymore because defensive ends would just murder people if they let them do that. That is not what Bobby Petrino was ever about as a play caller. That is not what he was ever about as a football coach. And Lamar Jackson was so good that he made it work. He's that good in the pocket. And he could be that good in the pocket. But why would you have a tool like that if I can get an offense? Let me put it the other way. A lot of these people who say, well, you can't hang in the pocket. These are conservative football fans. We'll call them that. They're people who are like, well, we need to run the ball on first and second. We need a quarterback who's going to move the chains. Okay. If I have a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, why am I not going to get somebody who's going to get me in third and three? Third and three. The most conservative offensive philosophy possible, right? I'm a dude who's like, on first and 10, you should try to get to first and 10. Right? You should throw. I love it. I am an air raid dude. I am 100% a, a fun and gun dude. I love that style of offense, which Petrino, by the way, more than friendly to. If you watched uh, Lamar Jackson at Louisville, it's not like he was pulling the kind of Mike Vick thing where it was square pig, round hole, but it worked because he was so fantastically talented that you could take this Paleolithic Virginia talk, Tech offense and he would still shine in it, right? By ripping off 60 yard runs and occasionally throwing a perfect 80 yard post pattern out of nowhere. No, this was design. A lot of this was design. A lot of this were basic NFL concepts, which to get a little geeky, you know, they ran levels all day long. They ran Y cross. They ran all of these sort of basic bread and butter passing concepts that dudes have to know and have to be able to execute in the NFL. But it's easier if I just take this guy, run those things, and also use his legs so we can get to short yardage. So we can get to short yardage. It is so traditional in the most untraditional way, the way that it should use him in the NFL. I don't know if you saw this recent picture of Lamar Jackson Bomani, but if you've seen, oh yeah, no. Um, <clears throat> he's looking up to the challenge of absorbing the punishment yes, that a defense might try to heap on him because his his band of shoulder muscles is currently the size of a good epaulet. Yes. Like it is, it is like it looks like armor. Like he is swole as hell. Yeah, he looks like he looks like the guy who makes the decision of okay, well, that's not going to be a problem anymore, 
right? Like something like last year, he was like, oh, I got banged around a little too much. Okay, well, don't you worry. That's not going to be a problem anymore. And you can tell he knew what he was doing because he didn't drop any hints along the way. Like he wasn't in there in the mirror on Instagram, like giving us the hints. No, all of a sudden we just looked up and Lamar Jackson looked like an entirely different human being. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Third and two. Get me to third and two. If you were that dude and you could get to third and two, you will take it however it happens, which is why I don't get why a traditionalist football fan will have an issue with him because it will allow the Ravens to be exactly what the stereotypical traditional Ravens have been, right? We are going to run the ball and we are going to play defense. If I can do that with that quarterback and yes, execute some effective pocket passing along the way. By the way, it's not like Greg Roman's necessarily a genius of that either, right? It's not like that. It, it's not like that's what he's known for. No, he's known for this stuff, which is why Lamar's there. The, if you put Lamar in a passing offense, I don't think it would look the same, right? Like a pure passing offense. Like, and, and by the way, I don't even know what that means in the NFL anymore because we've got so many dudes who make hay pulling the ball down and running it on short yardage situations or when no one's in coverage. But if you put him in something like that, he would still be productive. The issue I've got is that people say, well, what happens is when you shut down the run, then you force him to pass and he can't do it. Nobody can do it when you fully shut down the run. Nobody no. can. No, Aaron Rodgers can't do it. I saw Brett Favre do it. You know what happened to Brett Favre? He gave the Saints a Super Bowl. Like there were a number of very, very good quarterbacks who, if I know it's coming, we have an issue. Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes is like the most physically talented quarterback I've ever seen. Can make every throw and can make throws that we didn't even know existed. That to me is how I know you're brilliant, is that if you redefine what is possible on the field, why didn't he win a Super Bowl last year? If I know it's coming, I'm automatically at a disadvantage, even if I am the best at my position, because everyone else on the other side is that freaking good. Everyone else is that good. You need to understand and respect that. Like, well, why can't this player just impart his will? Well, because the dude on the other side is a Hall of Famer. He is the best player on the best team at his high school, college, and now he's just a dude in the NFL. That, ladies and gentlemen, is Spencer Hall. Check him out. Channel 6. Check him out. Thinking Out Loud on the SEC Network. My man, greatly appreciated as always. Hey, a prosperous moment of cultural exchange as always. Yes, yes, yes. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Daniel Dopp and Dave Presley handing everything behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Remember, follow The Right Time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.